0: Welcome to Shit, I Just Quit My Job. I'm Marisa Herrera, and at my young and tender age of 40, I'm in the process of figuring out what I want to do when I grow up. I'm still convinced that the messy middle, so this time in between what you were so, so sure of and what you can't even hell yet is going to be your next big thing, this time that I personally feel like I'm navigating and the messy middle is a really hard place to be. You know, it can be lonely and it certainly is scary and it's full of ups and downs. And one day you're thinking you have it figured out and you're ready to roll and go all in. And the next day, you might not. You might just be feeling like you're back to square one. Anyway, I think it will always be scary and full of ups and downs. But I think the lonely part we can do something about. That's what I'm here for. Today's episode is an interesting one. So we're going to be talking about navigating change globally. So my guest, Amy Ammon, is from Minnesota but she spent most of her career in Europe. She recently decided to come back home. So we talk a lot about cultural differences, assimilation, and those things you don't even notice uh, that matter to you or are important until you've been out of your own community for a really long time. So as someone who has been away from home or from my home country for the last 22 years, I could really identify with a lot of what Amy had to say. Anyway, Amy has an extensive background in leadership, development, and HR, and she has a very interesting story. So here's my conversation with Amy. I hope you enjoy. Can you introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about you?
1: So I'm in Yemen, I'm based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. This is where I'm from. Um, and you said you're looking to discover my story. It's, I think, a pretty unusual one. There's not a lot of people like me out there. I was living in New York for 20 years. I have lived overseas probably most of my adult life. and most of my professional life um, outside of my passport country, my country of birth. I was an expat. I wasn't sent over. I just moved on my own, but I wasn't a global digital nomad. I didn't exist when I went, you know, years ago. And um, worked in various cultures and and oftentimes in, uh, I speak German. So I worked in German. Professional background is I was working in um, mostly large global companies in human resources, talent and organizational development. So I was working with uh, managing leadership development programs, career and succession planning, culture change, all of those things that companies need to really make sure that their people are in a good position and able to make the goals of the organization happen so I'm not back in the states I've been back in about two years and I'm still culture shock so that's part of the I think part of the process why we're talking today about the change and um, quitting and doing things differently I'm very curious what made you go to Europe in the first place and of course, I get that question all the time, both from, you know, obviously when I was there and Germans always asking, why are you in Germany and why are you here? I think for many Europeans, that's a, not a common thing to uproot reasons. I, I always was interested in global things and, and people and places and food and I had the pen friend. Of course, I spoke German. I learned that um, my three of my four grandparents are immigrated to the US about 100 years ago. So my ha- family history is not that um, long in the US. Yeah. Um, so I think there's probably that pull back to the roots, right? Um, and I studied German and business both in undergraduate. And my MBA program at Thunderbird. I've just really kept that c- continuity um, in terms of what I've been doing as a person and then professionally and educationally. And then I had the chance to, as part of my Thunderbird program, I had a chance to um, intern overseas and then I got a job, right? In 2000, it was the dot, dot com boom, everything happening, everything going. And, you know, I had a MBA in my hand and ready to go. So that's I was able to go overseas and work. And so really be a foreign national working in local contract.
0: You get so much out of being in a very different
1: environment from your own. There's no better way to learn, in my opinion. Absolutely. And you know, I think and you asked about why I was overseas and I always had that high curiosity and high interest in different things and sense of adventure. And I was living in Berlin at that point, And Berlin is a great place to, to explore. You mentioned you know, also when you're living overseas, especially on your own. And that's been part of my own discernment process is realizing what kind of skills you need to have and draw on on yourself the resourcefulness and the resilience and all of those good, soft skills in order to to make it. So it's not for the faint hearted. Yeah, I was going to say that's a very good point and not a point we talk about,
0: I would say, a lot. Like I'm, I'm surrounded by expats. Most of my friends in New York are expats. We came here for business school, kind of met here. It is very lonely being in a place that's not your own and where your roots are not necessarily and your family's not there Um, and the resilience that comes from that is pretty big you're
1: right there's there's this effect of loneliness and so it's always a matter of trying to find your connection and find your people um and i think it's also expanding what who your people are and that's where you know you you mentioned on the floor about um, trying to figure out, you know, what's important for you or, you know, what really makes a person tick. Um, so we have to get creative around that because, of course, you're not going to find, you know, people from your high school. You're going to find other people with similar interests. And then you want to you explore yourself. What are those interests and what is that common connectivity? And then you make your your family, your second family
0: or third or four. You know, you kind of build that. So you were doing HR and HR-related things in a very different context, uh, in a very different world. I want to know two things. First off, because I'm actually interested in HR learning and development for change, those are fields that I am genuinely, personally interested in. I mean, that's kind of what I did. I want to know what the difference is or you see from what you were seeing in Germany, for example, versus the U.S. So that was one curiosity. The other really is just what your journey was like while you were there to then go into what made you decide to come. Back. A lot of what
1: I'm seeing right now in, in terms of the, you know, literature and articles and posts, you know, of course, I get all this HR mail and I'm kind of in this echo chamber. Right. In terms of the emails and the literature I'm reading, but about wellness and about so you, mental well-being and, and and engagement. And I think it's also becoming more prevalent at least in Europe I'm going talk mostly about Europe and kind of Western Europe as my point of reference and I don't know if it's a mm-hmm. factor of the geography U.S. versus Europe or if it's a factor of the sign of the times but I was actually going through some emails like literature and you know uh, magazines articles from years ago and it was about this training and um Maybe a lot of the classic topics, leadership development, and maybe benefits. But nowadays, it seems like almost all of the headlines I'm seeing is around mental wellness and health and well-being, and just so little, exactly to that point, about training and development and make more engagement, um, but maybe less about actually what are the nuts and bolts of what companies can be doing. So, and of course, in, in Germany specifically, has a very strong. Training and development, education, um, heritage—it's still very strong. Like, it's classic through the apprentice programs and continuous on or upskilling and reskilling of the, the staff. I think that's also changing though too, as cost containment is becoming more you know more prevalent. Um, less time, mm-hmm. but you know we would spend a lot of time in classroom in session with people. Um, and I mean, I and I noticed even when I was in Europe, both in Germany and Luxembourg, that the request if I had an American counterpart either from, you know, the company or some other part of my stakeholder environment, they'd say, no, we don't have more than two hours and there should be e-learning. So really, I really noticed the the trend toward e-learning and shorter content in terms of like absolute learning as, you know, the most specific activity was already much further ahead and much shorter and more condensed in the States versus Europe where we would still spend time having longer discussions, getting together in person, face to face. That's shifting over there as well. In terms of another topic you asked about being an HR, which again yeah, is a really big topic, of course, I started in leadership development, um, organizational development, and a generalist area What is, is oftentimes an HR specialty. And I was thinking about that, my ability to be part of the larger HR team, and I'm really curious, I was not, you know, doing a lot of Hiring and labor law and working with local benefits. I mean, partially, of course, you know, I worked for larger companies where those roles were more discreet. And so I was in my area. But it was really hard to break into as a non-native speaker, someone who didn't go to school there, someone who didn't um, grow up in that system. So it would have been a bigger jump to work in, let's say, the core HR areas, which I have now done since I've been back in the States. I was in that kind of echo chamber, too. Everything I got was about
0: D.I.B. It was about our culture change. It was about all of these things of how do you make a better workplace? And I also noticed a very much increase in well-being, uh, mental health, and um, avoidance or improvement uh, when it comes to burnout, which... (sighs) I think it's incredibly important. Honestly, I mean, I'm very open. I was burnt out. That was one of the reasons I left. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like how much of it is actual things that are improving and happening and how much of it is just a fad that is lip service.
1: Well, that's the question, right? Yeah, that's, is it, it? It's real. I think you mentioned burnout was the total word I didn't say. And there's, you know, it's, there's um, debates: burnout a diagnosable disease. You know, is it really that, or is it in our heads? You know, there's, of course, it's 20, for twelve steps to burnout. Yeah. We're probably always all on the, that continuum somewhere, but just the. The press and the presence here in the States is much higher. And I felt it when I key returned back. I said, and now I know I'm getting the sense why Americans are always stressed. We're always on edge. We're always just, there's just this elevated level of anxiety in, in American society. And I think it has a lot to do with the workplace, high expectations of work, doing multiple jobs, high, high performance pressure driven by economics that just frankly do not, are not at play in the clo in a typical in most Western European companies and environments, you know, and just much more impact or focus on on work life balance. That's that's just the way things are. It's woven into their way of being, way of doing, way of work. Of course, people work more than four hours a week and there, there's high pressure jobs there too. Not everyone drops their, you know, put the pen at 5 p.m. That's, and now everyone takes a three hour lunch. That's not true. Um, you know, people do work hard uh, when I was working over there. But it's just the, the idea that your job is your job and your private life is your private life has a much stronger, it's much stronger at play over there. And I, I noticed the difference. That's a big difference I noticed. And that's important. I mean, here I think you, or I felt at least
0: like your job is you. <laughs> like it just it, there's no separation almost. And I would say after COVID probably more so because you're working from home and you're fully immersed. And it just it's,
1: it's one wow. big man. Easy for things just to kind of blend in and bleed together. A lot of talk about DIB, and again, I that's just not. I was not, of course, the high. Profile topic that wasn't the topic du jour right again looking at my emails and you know email newsletters from years ago that was not really a topic but I also think wow and that's like that's the thing where can I say this but I will you know I was excluded because I was not the local nationality I was excluded because I did was not a native speaker my accent was made fun of I was not hired because I was an American I remember one recruiter responding back to, you know, to me from the the company I interviewed with. He said, put me forth for a job is you know, whatever, probably talent management or OD, whatever it was. And interesting, you know, obviously German multinational, not a huge, huge organization, but fairly large, obviously big enough to have this role. And um, he said the feedback from the recruiter was, or from the company was, why would you send us an American? Yeah. <laughs> ah, ah. <laughs> um, Obviously, I didn't get the job, right? Um,
0: Well, I do think I do think in other countries, not to say in Europe, um, the topic of DEIB is much less or the topics, I guess, because there are several, but uh, they're not they're not as prevalent as in the U.S. And then what comes to mind is in the U.S., the topic is prevalent, but does it mean anything? Does it really mean that there is any progress? And I think there is. Granted, I worked in the field for many years, so I, I do think there is. It's slow going, but there is. Um, and at least we're talking about it. But in many, many other countries, I feel it when I go to El Salvador or when I see my family. It's very different conversation. Very, very. Different. Yeah. What made you want to come
1: back? I was in Luxembourg. It was an interesting time to be there. Much different feel than in Germany. Not as many large multinationals. Um, it's a pretty narrow area industry-based just with mostly financial professional services European union um, institutions and um it's funny actually my last role was you know restructured out and actually part of my role was performance management you know supporting contributing to that restructuring um that was COVID. that didn't help that wasn't the driver um but i've been thinking for a while do i want to stay in Purely talent development, kind of where I was, again, almost shoehorned in or kept in. I think because of my background, I probably could have gotten into more general HR, um, but I didn't. Okay, not knowing the language, you really need to know the local languages. I, I wasn't, I'm not a French speaker. So those were kind of some of the presenting you know, problems or presenting issues, right, as we say. And then I started digging deeper, you know. So I'm a coach and did my self-coaching and use all the techniques on myself, thinking, Amy, what's going on here? What's your strengths? What's your interests? What do you want to do? And I realized that um, I think I was ready for the change and to make a change. And the ways that my interests were being expressed by, you know, traveling a lot, being different places, working with different cultures, working with and big, meaty problems at work. That I could live that and do that or fulfill those interests in a different form and fashion and in a different place, too. So it wasn't place-bound. So that was already a big release Mm -hmm. in terms of I didn't need to be there. Um, You know, and also talking to other friends who had returned from Europe and, and gone back and you know, so you're young enough, you can always make that the change. So um I did. And I, I miss family. Going back to that part of the conversation, you know, even though I had my I love my friends always foreign family. Um, you know, the expat, especially the expat scene, which I really didn't always feel myself part of because I was on local contract. I was not succumbed over. Um they they go, you know, they come and go, right? And I thought, I kind of miss my family here, even though there's not a lot of direct family here in Minnesota, but still at least we're within the same continent, right? And missing, you know, parents are gone, but then still missing seeing my my nephews, my family grow up. I wanted to be closer to that. I wanted to be closer to my friends. And I really wanted to go and really be included. And then people can say, I want to be part of my community. People can say, well, Amy, you can do that too. Well, I couldn't vote right? You can never vote. You, it's hard to be part of your local, whatever club you can be, but you need a language. And again, we love my Europeans, but it's not quite as easy. I always get involved in those things. But I was, I, you know, I met my friends, I did that, but still it wasn't quite the same as I bought a house, right? I bought a house in Minneapolis. I'm, I met the mayor of my city. I, I became a polling judge. I'm involved in a lot of local networks here, um, which in meeting people fa- face-to-face and just really being part of the community is so important to me. And I guess I admit, speaking my own language all the time and not worrying about being asked, where are you from, and what's your accent, why are you here, right? That's gone, and people get to know me for me and not for me as the foreigner. So those are that's a, a lot of the factors that... Um, kind of drove me back toward to be a place where I am part and I really can be naturally included. I have so many questions and so many comments because I identify so much with some of the things,
0: a lot of what you said. One of the first things you said was you can't vote. And like, you underestimate that. I've lived in the U.S. for 13 years. I can't vote. Don't think I'll be able to vote ever, I guess, when I become a citizen eventually, when I was one. For someone who has been very much politically active and is cares about things, it's a big deal.
1: A big deal. Yeah. Not you want to have your voice. You want your voice to matter and you have your say. And, and help drive and impact society that impacts you yeah it's quite interesting you don't think of those things yeah that's I think when you you go over and you're 25 and I you know I God bless them I'm really curious and I, I want to be there actually for that you said before paraphrasing what you said about being with people or being there for people I would love to see the a lot of the digital nomads and you know travelers if and when they come back how it is, I left two when I was, you know, young, um twenty five ish. Yeah. And um you don't think about those things, but they do become important. Yeah, they do. And I, I know there are some people who eschew their family and they, they cut ties for whatever reason and there's everyone's abroad for some reason. You know, that's not me. I have my family roots and it's been fun to reconnect with cousins here and you know doing different things together so that's that's really important and I think the finding the identity and reattaching to the identity from the the true you know from your original place from where you're from that's been the key thing and then the geography's been the key thing for me in that
0: you said you know you're a coach and you kind of self-coached and I'm I've always been curious about this about like how do coaches when you are in a moment of uncertainty like I, I, when I was in the moment of transition or deciding to leave, I was talking to my coach. And so, but you as a coach, when you are in a moment of this type of um, what are you doing next or what is going forward or trying to reconnect. What was the most helpful thing for you to kind of tell yourself, I guess?
1: Maybe less so telling myself and asking myself, which that's, I'm of the coaching school that you ask the questions to get the answer. And the, the key questions were, what is it about living in Europe? So again, lace tied that you like, or, you know, what's driving you? And then, you know, kind of listed those out and thinking through that. And what can, and then, okay, so how can you transfer that to another place or even another profession? Right. Another line of work. So that was the big, the big moment of, those were the two key questions, I think, that created that clarity. And with that like a release or the permission and launching pad to do something else. Okay, now how we tactically make that happen, that's another issue. And convincing other people that these trans so called transferable skills are transferable. You know, I admit I'm still in that that phase to Show people here, you know, who I d- didn't go to school with them. I haven't worked at the same large co- companies as they have for the last twenty years um, to show that value. But I know that intrinsically there there is that transition that's coming out of that that self discernment. So you decided
0: to move. Guessing you left your the work that you were doing, your job, or did you transfer with the same company?
1: No, no, the, that, so that job was was restructured out forty percent restructuring it was coming a lot of life. Yep, yep, it was it was pretty tough also to do that in Europe. Forty percent is a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then during COVID, so I just said, what do I do next? I want to continue looking in Europe. Do I want to go back to Germany. Germany's changed a lot too since twenty fourteen. Um, For writing reasons and, you know, a lot of Brexit and a lot of immigrants and just also his own social issues, change of government. Then the question, do I want to remain the foreigner, right? Always the outsider. And I thought, no, well, I'm still an outsider here, right? That's an issue you realize as well, but more of my own voice. Uh, So I terminated my apartment lease. I found a moving company, sold or got rid of most of my stuff, packed everything up that would fit into someone's walk-in closet and ship myself over. And um, my brother was very kind and took me and let me live with him. So I came back unemployed, uninsured, and uh, basically largely homeless, right? So I'm lucky I had at least a family and a physical place to land. It is a lot of uncertainty
0: if you're coming in with Different country, no job. You said unemployed, uninsured skills. And what I would say is, you know, learning and development and that leadership development, which is very, it's very transferable, but it's very different from place to place. I would say how it's tackled. I know you're still in the throes of it, which is interesting to be talking to someone who is still in the throes of it. How did you deal with that uncertainty as you, as you first got here and were like,
1: oh, now what? Everything's is veiled in culture shock. Right, and I'd come back. I was almost every year to the states. It was always vacation. It was always a short time. And I could go back home to Europe, and now I'm here. And so that was the first thing. Just this wall, of culture shock. I'm still coming. I'm, I'm I'm still in it, coming out of the fog of, of culture shock. Right. So most of my life, or yeah, adult life, has been in a different place. So I'm dealing with that, trying to recall, remind myself, Amy, you're in the messy middle. This is part yeah. of the process. The transition, transition, transit is a key part of a transition. <laughs> you are in transit, remind myself and, and hang on to what you can. Find the people, the events, whatever you can to hang on as yeah. you go through it and, and try to. Enjoying the process is a big ask, especially for someone where I was seeking that stability, but accepting that it's part of the process. Um, so that's kind of the meta level. You know, well, how am I dealing with it? Of course, being resourceful, just reaching out and meeting people and finding the resources that I needed and being open to different things and partially making that transition. And you said, yeah, the leadership development is fairly transferable. I got a lot of questions about, oh, is so what you did the same in Europe, the same here? Thinking, although we all kind of follow the same principles and all the big, you know, gurus and principle models um, for for learning and development, I was told by one career coach I should write on my resume I have the right to work in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that threefold loop. So I'm a I'm tax American for the last twenty years, blue passport, because of course Americans have to pay taxes no matter where yep. the, you work you where you live or earn your money in the world, but but again, my resume just read "not here, not here, not here, not here." Right? Not here. We had to connect that. I can't change that. But What I have been doing is changing some of the verbiage around how I position myself, making sure that, and of course, obviously so in HR, every industry or every functional area. You know, job titles change, so updating those. You know, so it's reflective what's current and relevant and still true. But um, as, as making some more is more digestible for the average American reader. But also then I think the biggest thing getting to kind of where I'm at now and where I'm going is go- taking a job that is much more HR. It's going back to the, going to more HR operations, which actually I really like because I'm an analytical, critical thinker. I'm a process person. My idea is to get things set up so there's a process and it's scalable and sustainable. So we actually can focus our time and energy on the juicy things. Um and um. Also, I like to do things right. I think you know. Obviously, I was a documented worker overseas, and um, so I understand the importance of compliance and doing things correct. I also a lot of my early career was flavored by you know the Enron scandal and seeing the impact of non-compliance oh, yeah. and unethical leadership, and that really that holds true to me. That I really want to ensure that we're we're doing things. Eth- ethically, there's legal and there's ethical. Let's try to be legal and do things that are good and right. So I'm going into HR, um, a lot of finance, building on my MBA. And actually, I'm moving more into HR. So general HR roles, which I'm really enjoying, but really can build on my you know talent and leadership and org development. Yeah. So it's really been, you know, not a full pivot, but definitely the transition into a new to new roles and new identity. How did you kind of make that
0: decision of you're not going to go straight for the same thing in a different spot like Mm -hmm. something that's a little bit more a little different I guess
1: yeah no absolutely right good question um I think I'm going back to what are my skills what are my strengths what am I good at strip out the content of I had this conversation yesterday with someone, strip out the content of maybe putting together a leadership development program or strip out the content to putting together an employee engagement survey or a 360 assessment program or a change or culture, whatever it is. And the things that I'm really good at is making clarity out of an ambiguous situation, structuring information, putting together a program in a cohesive manner that will add value to whoever's using it or getting clear on kind of what I'm good at and what I like to do and people say what makes your heart sing or what's your ideal day right um, so that was a lot of the clarity um, that I needed to get to to realize why I didn't need to go back in the same job content area and also so that's one reason and the second reason we're presenting is a lot of like talent management roles, especially learning roles here in the States are going into a lot of e-learning and ISD. And I don't want to go down that route. So I also kind of needed a rebrand. So that's kind of a bit of a a way from, but also the tour too is, um, yeah, the chance to take a more general role combined kind of that analytical HR people piece and combine all things together. I think it's interesting what you just said about
0: how you stripped away the content and looked at like, what are the things? Because I struggle with this as like people ask me, like, what do you want to do? And I'm a complete generalist. I've always been a generalist. Well, not really. Before I was like very, very niche. And if you think about Elliot, I was very, very niche in terms of industry. But I was very much a generalist. And sometimes I wonder, how do you position things that are gonna be fitting to other places. And what you said really resonates, which is strip away the content, strip away like the actual what you're talking about and what is it underneath that you actually did. Yeah. It's harder.
1: It's hard to do, I think. It is very hard to do. That's why I'm yeah, you know, we said I'm still kind of in that process, but I'm much through more through it and than- It just makes so much better when you talk about yourself and what you've done and what you're looking for and what value you can add that just just comes through in pure you know resonance and you can stand there and talk to people with a straight face and say it because you know in your heart that's what you're really good at and that's your superpower is there
0: a a specific question you asked yourself like trying to get to the bottom of it or like trying to strip
1: away things not a question per se. It's a good question. I think releasing myself from the need to be like everyone else or say I've done these same things. Again, that's all kind of presenting problems or um, yeah, content and the dressing to free myself to look at, okay, Amy, what are you good at? And what do you like to do? And and reflecting back on what people have said, how I've been useful or you know, help them out. Mm. Mm. So whether to not saying I'm on, you know, five years of employee relations or, you know, proven demonstrated experience in this, right? right as the job description reads. And actually I'm at the point where am I looking for a job? It's not saying I'm looking for a place where I can add value and where I'm looking for companies and organizations that need help and want support. So I'm actually doing some consulting now and I'm looking. So that's one thing. I'm moving more into the consulting. I think it's a point of where I'm at in my career, in my life, me going back to stripping away from content, saying I do X or I am an X, right? Saying I do this. And this is how mm-hmm. I can help you. And most companies, a lot of companies might have this issue um, and I can work with them now in a way in in projects, um, go in and just look at what's going on and help them out. So I'm enjoying that. Um, it gets me the diversity, it gets me the, the learning, all the things I like. Oh, media, it gets me the meaty challenges and the critical thinking, all things I'm good at. I can do. So actually, I'm, I'm really pursuing more consultative kind of work now. That makes sense. I'm 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 also thinking about that kind of what does
0: that mean because I am like it is a diversity of challenges and a diversity of things that you're doing that yeah. make things interesting.
1: Absolutely. Uh, and keeps you on your toes. <laughs> and if another thing I want to do too is, I'm doing it for a little bit, but really you want to gear up more now. And you talked about when you're going through this transition, you wind up reconnecting with people from before, earlier times. I'm coaching people and trying to find more people similar to me. <laughs> Maybe not everyone has 20 years background, but I want to be the coach that I was looking for when I came back. Um, Not so much like how to find a job, you know, there's a lot of people are better at the mechanics of a job search process, but that identity discernment, Mm -hmm. understanding who am I and how do I show up in this new culture, I'm from this one culture, I'm to another culture, I'm working in either finding a job or working in this culture and how can I be successful in this new place and remaining as true to myself as necessary and going back and, and finding out what is that true to myself. We think it presents itself in one way, but actually what we think even about ourselves can be, can show up differently. And helping people understand that to be successful, that you don't have to go native, but you shouldn't probably stay fully in your own culture because you might be excluded, you might be looked at weird, you might not get promoted, you might not get the juicy jobs, right? But I know there is, especially in our Globalizing and increasingly remote and interconnected world, places for people to work cross borders and be successful, uh, and help them out. And that's what what I can do. I can bring in my own personal experience, and I can bring in my own my experience as a career developer, right, internally. So that's really another pursuit I'm I'm really really working on. I think there's a
0: lot of people that that could use that help. I talk a lot about self-awareness with people because you really have to know yourself to know what you want and to know where to go and how to present yourself and all these things. But we never, we're all, we always say like, you need to know, you know, that self-discovery. You need to do that. You need to know yourself. Like,
1: how? (laughs) You do. And I think when you layer on the, oh, you're an American or you're an Indian, you lay on your cultural veil or cultural background that's hard sometimes to determine am i the culture or is this me the person what is it and i'm in this new culture and should i be american i'm you know say I'm indian working in america or oh what should i be and do and that that help unravel what is it about the culture and the place right we talked about that yeah. versus who am i as a person what i'm really good at and yeah. now trying to make the new and put myself in in the best light in the new context So that the culture element is really something that is different. And when you're coming from different cultures, different languages, different contexts, you have to factor that in as well. And I don't think most career coaches really do that because it's not most people's issue. So I know I'm not, I'm not, you know, I definitely, like I was niche in Europe and I was very unique. I'm very unique here, but... There's probably other people like me, and like when you, you know, I I I'm,
0: I'm... can certainly, I know a lot of them. So, like, it is very, it is a
1: right. thing. So if before the immigrants working in the States, or in, and as I said before, we talked about before people working in different cultures outside of their home country, culture, and passport. Um, it's not going to go away.
0: What, if anything, would you have done differently as you were approaching? Both, it can be either in making the decision to leave and change and come back, or now once you got back and you're trying to, you know, as you have been going through the process of what's next, what would you have done differently,
1: if anything? Probably I a lot of things along the way, right? Hindsight is a very good teacher. Maybe started earlier, networked harder, Um, It's harder mean, I guess, just making making more connections, having more conversations that might have expedited the learning process. But again, I only learned what I learned through all the experiences I had. Probably, you know, working with a coach or working with someone very concertedly, more structured, again, to help provide another anchor and a structure in this chaos, right? It was just absolute chaos when you're Like taking a life, throw it up in the air and now reassemble a life in a new place, right? And pay rent and insurance all that stuff as well, right? So maybe more support. Yeah. I I like
0: to ask that because I do think that we can learn from other people's, like I wish, you know, I just painted this whole apartment and everyone asks me and I'm like, I would never do it again, ever.
1: Right. Because you have to go through it to find out. And one of the models I always tried adhering to when I was overseas was, say yes, as long as it's legal and moral and too unsafe or not unsafe, you know, go say yes and do it. And I guess I'm trying to hold on to that right now as much as I can. It's always good. Advice. I love that. I actually really like that. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. It's been fun. This was fun. Yeah.
0: Thank you for listening to Shit, I Just Quit My Job. I hope you found this conversation useful and inspiring and maybe got a laugh or some ideas out of it. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. It means the world to me. Please share with your friends.